I walked the wrong dog for a week without realizing I was walking the wrong dog. I was going to someone's house, <gasps> taking their dog on a walk. And they never said anything? No. Coming home and writing a little note, because the dog's name was Trouble, and I was told to go through this gate and the thing would be open. It was all just like it was laid out, but it was the house next door. What's up, standouts? It's Yolanda, and this is episode number five of How She Did It. I'm interviewing my friend, Carla Holden, who is the founder of Her Business Boutique. She helps women set up successful marketing campaigns for their online businesses. Carla was the very first person I told about this podcast idea almost two years ago, and the very first woman I interviewed for it. I had a ball interviewing Carla, and if it wasn't evident from that snippet at the beginning of this episode, Carla has had some interesting work experiences. For links to what we chat about in this episode, check out the show notes page for this episode at nts.today forward slash five. And now let's start the show. I have a company called Her Business Boutique. So I work with the women who want to have an online business and I help them set up successful marketing campaigns. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your early years when you were a kid? Where did you grow up? I grew up in LA and I know I was an entrepreneur at a very young age because my neighbor got mad at me. We had this mean neighbor at the end of the block and I had convinced another girl who lived on my block to sell cookies with me door to door that so we could make money because I wanted to make money. Did you buy these from the store or did you make Um, them? These were either she made them I know I didn't make them either I think she made them or her mom made them and I was like we go door to door and we sell them for a dollar we sell 10 we're gonna have 10 dollars we're maybe six or seven years old went door to door and we got to this one neighbor's house and she said you know this is illegal to two cute little girls this is illegal selling door to door and you guys could get arrested for doing this and we got so scared we took the money that we made and we buried it in the yard (laughs) this is probably some symbolical symbol like there's probably deeper thing that ties in with other money stories I have. But yeah, we literally took the money and buried it in the side yard that my parents had because we felt so guilty and bad. And we said, we won't do that again. We didn't mean to break the law. Oh my gosh. What a bitty. I know, right? <laughs> mean old lady. <laughs> Tell me about high school. What type of activities did you do? Did you do sports? Mm-hmm. Did you work? I did. I worked and I did sports. I did cheerleading, which is a sport. And I did, I ran track. What else? We had a step team for like half a second. I was on the step team. Were you good? Yeah, I was. Because I always did dance and that kind of stuff. So, and I was captain of the cheerleading team. So I got to make up routines and choreograph and stuff like that. And my first job was at a place called Cozy Mills, a Mexican restaurant. And I saw it when I was at the gym one day that they said they were opening this restaurant and I knew I wanted to get a job and start making my own money. So I was, as soon as I turned 16, I started working. Any other influences in high school, whether that was a person or some type of situation that you think influenced your career thoughts back then? For whatever reason, I've always been unrealistic with whatever I think is possible. I think you have to have that a little bit to be an entrepreneur or an artist. So I would have considered myself more of an artist or because I was a musician for many years. But at that point in the high school years, I just had big dreams and thought, I thought everyone should have big dreams and of course it could happen. It happens for other people kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So 
Yeah, no, no. I just saw whatever I saw on TV and was influenced by that mostly. When you graduated high school, what did you think you wanted to do? I wanted to be a musician, but I had no idea how someone did that. I wanted to be a singer. Okay. I thought, I want to be a singer. How do people do this? I had no clue. I had no one musical in my family, mm-hmm. no musical talent, no nothing. No, no musical talent? No, I, I'm not kidding. I didn't, I didn't play an instrument. My Mom is tone deaf. My dad cannot, no one played music growing up, but I. What was it about music then? Oh, I've always loved music and performing the overall thing, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, it's MTV era and music videos and all that kind of stuff. So I knew that um, I wanted to be sort of an entertainer performer kind of a thing, Okay. but I didn't know how people did that. So Mm -hmm. I went to community college and I got a job at a hotel and I was reading a magazine at the hotel one night and there was an ad in the magazine for Musicians Institute that said, come learn how to be a singer. And I thought, oh my gosh, I tore it out. I called, I went down and I toured the school and I told my parents, I want to go to this place. You know, mm-hmm. we pick up the tab and they came and they toured the school and they were supportive and they, they've always been supportive of okay. me doing something. So you were in community college mm-hmm. and so that you leave community college yeah. or did you do both of them? I left community okay. college. Because uh, Musicians Institute is a place where you can get a degree if you wanted to, or you can just do a certificate program. Okay. So it was a full-time program. Okay. So tell me about your time there. So I was there for two years. I started my first band. I learned uh, keyboards. I actually went into the program not as a singer, but as a keyboard player. Did you already know how to play the keyboard? Or no. Did you- I started yeah, wow. from scratch because I knew I wanted to learn an instrument so I could write songs mm-hmm. and play for myself and things like that. So I was pretty quick able to learn yeah but not as good as the other students everyone else there had been playing for years so I was far behind even back then I knew I wanted to record an album I guess I was already thinking how can we get an album out how Mm -hmm. can we record something how can we sell this I would book shows for us I always had that kind of initiative where I wanted to get us out there and not Mm -hmm. just be playing at school and practicing in rehearsal rooms so yeah I remember that we started that this little group that I had we were called Perfect and we started playing How shows. How did you spell that? It was it was the normal spelling. K R F E. No, it might have been a K. Oh my gosh, how do I not know now? It might have been a K. Maybe that was the ironic part. So we started playing shows locally in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and that so started. How did you get those? I gigs? I called the Knitting Factory. I called all these places. The Knitting Factory, which was a huge thing. The Knitting Factory. Okay, was so huge. I'm thinking like knitting. <laughs> the Knitting like, Factory was a huge crocheting thing. and knitting. <laughs> like so, they have like music playing where so people long are ago. It was such a cool venue. It was from New York, and they okay. opened one out in L.A., and it was a cool... If you got into the name factory, it was really cool. We played the gig. We played the Mint. We played, like, all these cool little places in L.A., and I would call as our booking manager, <laughs> pretending to be someone else. So and I was, Did you have, like, an accent or anything? No, 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 I had a fake name. I wish I could remember my fake name. I had a fake first and last name, and all marketing materials had this person as the booking agent, and it worked, and I booked us shows. And Fortunately, it, the internet... Back then wasn't his now because I could just Google like who is this person? Who yes. <laughs> is <was> Darla Golden? <laughs> so. Yeah, but that was uh, that was sort of the first foray into making money with music okay. was with that band. Were you you were keyboard and singing? Yeah, I was keyboard and singing. Yeah, and sometimes just singing, sometimes 
guitar. I also played guitar. But yeah, I was the lead singer. Were you nervous? Like the first, do you remember oh. your first gig? Oh yeah, I remember my first gig. I thought I was going to pee on myself. I was so nervous. I was, <laughs> Who was so Where was terrified. the first gig? Okay, the first gig at, when I was by myself, I did a solo gig. My, my first gig, it was oh, at a goodness. church on Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, I have a VHS recording of that somewhere. And I was, that's the one where I was terrified, but I got through it. And there was an actress in the audience, an older lady who's a, very, a famous actress from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me afterwards and she said she's a fan of my voice. And that gave me the confidence to just keep going. And mm-hmm. and then when we started having our first shows, yeah, I was so deathly afraid. Did you have an inkling that you had a nice voice or had you really not thought about it? You just knew that you wanted to get into music. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to get into music and be a performer. And I thought with training, I could probably get to have a pretty good voice. And see, I always feel that like you either have a good voice or you don't. As long as you have uh, pitch, you know, where you can catch a note. But does everyone have pitch? No, my mom is tone deaf. She cannot (laughs) catch a note. She really can't. You hear her singing along something and you're like, oh, that's not right. So, and then everyone's tone is different. So it's just tone and, Hmm. but all the rest can be skill. Learn how to use it. See, that's like a misconception about... Yeah, I know. I mean, like, you may not be... A Beyonce. Yes. Yeah. But we can all be taught... How to sing. To sing. As long as you are able to catch the note. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I learned something new. <laughs> are you going to sing something for us? I will not. <laughs> you know what? My my older... One of my older brothers has a great voice. And he's like the only one in our family that can sing. Really? I cannot. Yeah. I think that I probably have pitch like I can listen to music yeah. and sing on notes okay then yep you can huh, so yeah maybe that's I all can you need. sing you can I'm, I'm not going to we're going to karaoke after this <laughs> oh gosh no <laughs> karaoke is hard it I is so hard once, and you don't realize how long songs are yes like, there was once the first, very first time I went to karaoke and this was recently I did back in the day I used to take belly dancing classes mm-hmm. the studio where I took those classes they would do studio Student show. Instead of just always taking the class, you could do this performance. One year, we did like a fusion belly dance, hip hop dance routine to Beyonce's Baby Boy. Yeah. It was so much fun. Then like we were all kind of like taking on these personas. And so people started calling me Yolance. You're going to wish you never told me that. <laughs> and so year, this was probably in 2012 or 13, my first and only time doing karaoke. <laughs> and I performed Baby Boy. And I was like, when is this song going to end? And, and it was like so much work to sing. Like lip syncing is totally different oh, yeah. than actually singing from your mouth. And you realize how repetitive it oh, is. Oh my goodness. Too. Okay, back to you. <laughs> so you finish the program. What do you do next? Moved to New York. I finished school and I thought, what do I want to do next? And a few weeks later, I was gone to New York. Wow. I sold all my stuff. I moved to New York. Um, lived in a hostel until Why I found New a York? place. I just thought that would be a cool, exciting city. I've always loved New York because I went when I was really little mm-hmm. and I thought I want to live here one day. And I was, what, 21 or something. So okay. it's the perfect time to just do something like that. <laughs> so that's what I did. I went to New York and then I started writing a lot of songs that ended up being on this first indie album that I put out. Was this a solo or did yeah. you have a band? Solo ah, album. Okay. Yeah. But so I had how would you, des- how would you describe your sound? I guess alternative pop. Well, it was sort of trendy at the time, the okay. singer-songwriter. It's Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were in New York, and you're recording your album. What else are you doing? Waiting Tables. Okay. 
Mm-hmm, this fancy restaurant. And, uh, yeah, not really happy. Why but not? So many reasons. I had, I had a lot of anxiety. I'd just gone through a breakup. I did not like my job. It was the, the quality of life was a lot harder in New York. I had to wake up super early to catch the metro thing up mm-hmm. to the hotel where I worked at. This restaurant was in a hotel. I remember seeing a rat fighting with another rat oh one morning at 5 a.m. and just thinking, this is not my life. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Yeah. I did make a lot of great friends, though. I met people left and right. I got a great apartment. I got great roommates. I lucked out. So it was just a tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. But it was it was short, too. It was only nine months later. I was back. It was 2001. Okay. So after 9-11 happened. Uh, Were you there when it happened? I was flying back to L.A. when it happened. That morning, I know. Really? Yeah. So I got grounded in Tennessee for mm-hmm. about almost a week and then got home to LA. Lost my job because I was flying home for a Madonna concert and I lied. I said I was, I think I, I had some excuse because I thought I was just going to fly home and come back two days later. And then this crazy thing happened and uh, I didn't show up to work even though there wasn't, everything was shut down for days after that. But then... It took me a lot longer to get back to work, though, two weeks, mm-hmm. and I lost that job. And after that, I just thought, do I really want to stay in the city? And I was in the downtown part. It was just everything changed. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. Okay. So then were you still, when you decided to move back to L.A., were you still pursuing the music? Or yes. Were, okay. So I put out my album. I played shows. I got a little studio in Silver Lake. Um, I had every kind of odd job you could think of. Every kind of odd job. What was your best and worst during that time? Best odd job. Best was probably working at Bloomingdale's. Why was um, that? Because I was in the makeup counter department. Mm -hmm. I don't wear makeup ever. (laughs) Some woman had, I was working at, I've had, I probably had 40 jobs in my life. I was working at the limited. This woman who came in as a customer, she really liked me. She offered me this job at Bloomingdale's. Uh, that paid more than I would have ever gotten paid at a regular. I don't know how I ended up getting that job because mm-hmm. I don't wear makeup, but it was selling this weird skincare line that is, it's called, it was called Dream You and it was made from emu oil, which is an, a bird, an ostrich like bird. They use the oil from emu. So can you imagine trying to sell? Like, how was that oil getting from the, uh, thank you. That's what everyone was asking me. And <laughs> California is not the place to sell anything with an animal involved. I sold maybe one bottle in the six months I was there. And uh, yeah, so it was fun because I got to hang out with all the other makeup girls and they would love to do my makeup every day because I was willing to show up with no makeup. It was fun. It was a fun job. And I got my dog on that job. It was in Beverly Center. And I, on my lunch break one day, I saw my dog, the, saw a cute little dog and I took him home. And then I left. I never went back. What does that mean? Was he like strolling down the sidewalk? He, he was in the dog uh, okay. shop. Okay. You no, know, they used to have one of those little dog shops at the Beverly Center. Mm, okay. And he was so cute. And he had the same birthday as my dad. Mm. So I took him as a sign and I took him home. And he was on sale. <laughs> he was on sale he was bad, turns out. Okay, so, so that that's the your best. best. The worst. I was a dog walker for a while. Really? Yes. And that I have a funny How did you get clients? Um through a company. I was walking for a company. So like they charge the people forty dollars mm-hmm. and you get twelve dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. And I walked the wrong dog for a week without realizing I was walking the wrong dog. I was going to someone's house, <gasps> taking their dog on a walk. And they've never said anything? No, coming home and writing a little note, because the dog's name was Trouble, and I was told to go through this gate and the thing would be open. 
it was all just like it was laid out, but it was the house next door. One day the owner comes home. It's not even the owner. It's actually the owner's friend who's been staying there. That's why he didn't know. He didn't know what was going on. He came in and he's like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, um, troubles in the room. And he's like, who's trouble or what do you mean? What's what kind of trouble? I'm like, trouble the dog. It was such a who's on first moment. And he's, he's like, okay. I'm like, I've been walking trouble the dog. He's like, that's not trouble. That's Susie or whatever. I was like, have you been getting my notes on the kitchen counter? It's like, I didn't know what those were. I wasn't sure what, you know, saying like trouble was great today. And I didn't know how, who, who, who that was, but I'm like, what's the address here? He's like, I actually don't know. It's my friend's place. And it was the craziest oh my thing ever. So then tr- poor trouble is poor just trouble. struggling. Like, oh my God. Oh my yes. God. He was next door. Just, yep. Wrong dog, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> this point as you are pursuing the music creating music releasing yeah. it you were taking on odd jobs in order to be able to support yourself yeah. and to continue to do that mm-hmm. I made money for my music because I would book colleges that's pretty much how you would make money is college campuses would pay you and a pretty good amount yeah you perform at a lunch hour you perform oh my gosh you have campus. to tell me about one of those oh I've done so many of those shows yeah Cal State Long Beach I do little tours up so north. would you like be in the cafeteria oh yeah in the cafeteria would out people the be pod. paying attention to you sometimes sometimes no sometimes yes but that was not you're used to that as a musician just but they pay well they paid amazing and you could sell your cds so i would sell cds and okay so i did that for years Hmm. that and odd jobs for many 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 years okay fast forward me to kind of what the progression of like we don't have to go right now to the um the entrepreneurship piece but how did you like, what was the progression of getting there? I basically, around 2008, I'd been doing music for about eight years, and I'd had a lot of things happen. I'd had a publishing deal. I'd had a lot of things happen, and I was getting burnt out, and I thought, I don't want to keep chasing this thing that I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Okay. And What did you want to happen? What was your goal? It was basically recording contract, but not only a recording contract, but to have an album come out that was going to be carried by a major label so we could get bigger distribution. Mm -hmm. So that was the big goal. And I had a lot of things leading up to that and a a huge disappointment too. that at that point, I just thought if, if anything, I probably should have kept going because at the time I thought, okay, this huge deal that I had fell through. So... I want to quit where I should have thought the fact that I can get these people interested in me is a good sign and I should keep going. I didn't do that. I don't know if I regret that, but I, at the time I just thought I want to give up. When you were at that point and you were making the decision to like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yay or no. Mm-hmm. Nay. What made you say nay and I need to move on? I was thinking, okay, I don't know if I want to continue with music, but I, I know that if I don't find something else to do, Time is just going to go by and I'm going to be kind of in this limbo mm-hmm. where I'm not fully pursuing it because it takes a lot to really pursue something like that and to be working crappy jobs and like bartending and waitressing and being a musician in LA. It's just very difficult. And I thought, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. So I thought I'll go back to school. I'll go to school and get a degree. I thought I was going to go to law school. I'll do this while I do my music and see if the music thing happens. Great. If not, I'll have something else that I'm doing that actually could lead to a career instead of me just being a musician who waits tables. Why law? Because my mom's a lawyer. My brother's a lawyer. My boyfriend at the time was a lawyer. I thought it seemed like a fun, everyone seemed like they seemed like it was fun. And I watched Legally Blonde 
way too many times and I thought, you know what? I want to be that. I want to go to school and get my law degree and it'll be challenging. It'll be my own. I can start my own business from it. It'll be my own career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And depending on what type of life practice I would be, I'd be of service. I'd be helping people too. Yeah. So it seems like it'd be a fun thing. Okay. So you went back to school. Yep. Started, I finished at UCLA, thought I would go to law school, started studying for law school and realized don't want to do this. Okay. And that's when I started my online world journey. How did that get started? I knew for a long time I wanted to do coaching, like a life coach. I'd always been into personal development and meditation and spirituality. And I thought, wonder if I could start some sort of coaching business. How did you get interested in those things? I've, I've always been interested in that since I was a kid. I've been interested in reading books on psychology and all personal growth, all that stuff. So it had been a lifelong trend. Was there someone that you saw that was into it or how did you? Oh, I had life coaches before. I had hired coaches before even and had gotten good results. So I knew it was an industry and I knew people did this Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And I thought maybe there's some way that I can figure out how to do this too. So that's where everything kind of started. So I finished UCLA in 2011 and I I'd say by 2012, I signed up for a course that teaches about how to start an online business. And that's where I sort of started dabbling with making my first website and blog and trying to figure out all this whole thing and what was this going to be. Got my degree in literature because I thought I'd go to law school. But it was the perfect degree because the literature degree, it it ties in perfectly with what I do now because Mm -hmm. I do so much writing. So it helps with what I... I do in a roundabout way. And it's storytelling. You're writing so much. Took creative writing classes, all that kind of stuff. So, At what point did you know law school wasn't for you? As soon as I started taking the LSAT prep course, okay. I was sitting in there and I, I just spent $1,600 to take this prep course. And I thought, do I really want to do this? Okay. And I paid for that. And I thought, I can accept that this was a waste of money. But do I want to waste $100,000 on three years of law school yeah. and go into that much debt for something that I'm not sure I want to do? Mm-hmm. Or am I willing to take a smaller portion of that and risk starting a business and start something of my own yeah. for something that I really want to do? And law school will always be there. And then when you were preparing for the LSAT, taking the class, trying to figure out if this is what you wanted to do, did you have any idea of what you wanted to specialize in, what type of law you wanted to do? No, I didn't. I thought I didn't. That was the other part where I was, I took a, it wasn't, you don't take pre-law classes, but there was a class that was law based Mm -hmm. at UCLA that I took my senior year. And even in that, I thought, do I want to do this? What, I, what am I doing in here? What kind of law do I want to do? A lot of people already knew what they wanted to practice. And I thought, I don't think I'm doing it for the right reasons. I think I was doing it because I thought it would be interesting. My boyfriend at the time was an attorney and because it would be financially stable. And I had been in a financially unstable industry for so long that I just wanted something where I was going to make money. Mm-hmm. I think that was my main motivator. So did you finish the prep class? Nope. I dropped out and I got maybe a little bit of my money back. So I went back to waiting tables, which was a really sad thing because I thought once I got my degree, I would not wait tables anymore. That was the Mm -hmm. whole, that was the other thing about going in this new direction is I didn't, I don't like waiting tables. I don't like bartending. Some people are great at it. I'm not good at it at all. And I didn't want to do it anymore. And I finished school. I did really well in school. And then I go back to waiting tables and I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I, I definitely felt like I had a comfort zone and that was it. I just couldn't 
can't see myself doing something other than that. And that's how I make money. And that's what I do. And I, I have friends now who are, who I went to music school with who are still struggling with that. Mm. And I see them going through being in their forties and being in the service industry because you can make a good living doing it, but it's not what you want to be doing or it's, it's very physically taxing. It's just, yeah. so that was a sad time where I was waiting tables again and thinking, what am I going to do? Why am I doing this again? What am I really going to do? And that's when I started looking into the whole online world. I don't like working for other people. I've always, I've always known that. That's why I've had so many jobs because I either walked away, quit, or been fired from so many different jobs. I'm not a good employee. I know that. I've never been a good employee. I'm not a good employee. And I probably have to go back in my history and like make a lot of apologies to past employers. Why were you not a good employee? I don't want to be there. I don't like listening to someone telling me something to do that I don't think makes sense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these sort of infrastructures are built on you just follow the rules. You don't ask questions. You just do what you're supposed to do, even if it doesn't make sense. And that's the, I'm the opposite of that. I ask questions. I always, wait, why? I knew I didn't want to work for anyone else. One of the stronger parts of my personality is I'm willing to take a risk. And I was willing to, if I have to live in my car, I will live in my car rather than work for someone else. That kind of a thing. So I knew I was heading in that direction. Okay. Where I was like, I'm not going to work for someone else. This is the last waitressing job. I don't want to ever do this again. And that was the last waitressing job. And that's the last job that I've had where I've worked for someone else. So how did you start off first? So I started my blog. It was focused around health and emotional eating, sugar addiction, things like that, things I've struggled with. So I was kind of focused on that and seeing if I could help people in that arena. Mm -hmm. And I would run these little group detoxes and group challenges, things I had done before because I had been crazy about food. So I would tell my friends, let's do a diet together and get yeah. people to do it. Now I was just like charging a little bit of money and doing mm -hmm. these little groups. So it was natural and it was fun. And then, but I knew I was never gonna make a living from this because it was making like $200 from this little online thing. And then I started studying under this woman, Dr. Pat Allen about communication. Mm -hmm. And that's a certification that I got. So then I started going into a different arena and I thought, I talk a little bit more about communication and relationships and got my first coaching client, paying coaching client. I was so scared to bring my business cards. I was scared to talk to people because this is the first time I'm branching outside of my friends mm -hmm. going to talk to strangers. It was after, it was after one of her, she does this monthly seminar. Okay. Because after the seminar, they go and they do a happy hour type thing. Okay. So everyone there had just come from the Dr. Mm. Pat Allen world. So everyone was talking about it. Okay. And there were a handful of us who had all just finished graduating from the course. So we mm. were all there and someone was asking questions about what to do in a certain situation. I was answering it. And the guy was like, you know, are, are you taking clients? And I was like, yes, I guess I am taking clients. How much do you charge? I charge $75 an hour. You know, <laughs> And I had a coach at the time who told me to not charge less than $150 because uh -huh. if I charge less than $150, no one's going to value it, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. There was no way I was going to say yeah. $150. It was not going to come out of my mouth. $75 sounded crazy. He said, okay, $75? Okay, I'd like to book a session. Um, You know, I can really use help with communicating this stuff. And having that first client gave me the confidence. Then I got two more clients. And the next week I got two more clients. It broke the seal. It gave me the confidence to start. And I, I was really good at that, but I also realized I don't like this that much either. I don't really want to talk about this all the time. With about people. Like relationships, relationships, communication, helping couples negotiate time, space, money, play. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like being a therapist, but yeah. yeah, I thought I don't want to do this all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So then I switched Again. So then you realized this is not what you want. How did you figure out what you did want? The next iteration of my business was 
again, a different coach at another event I'd gone to, I told her, I want to be doing basically like what you're doing. How do I really get this going? I want to do this. Like I want to do events. I want to speak. I want to, at the time mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to do all that. And she asked me, what skills do I have that are marketable that I can use right now? No one had asked me that. I thought, I don't know. I can sing a song. Is that marketable? <laughs> and she's like, well, did you, did you do your, who did your website or who did your cards or something like that? And I said, oh, I did it myself. And she's like, why don't you start with that as your, the way you get clients. Okay. Offer them a website. And then once they get in, you can offer them coaching on how to set up everything else. And that's how I started. I started doing websites for people, which is the freaking biggest joke ever because I had never. Did you take for granted your website? Like, did you, you just totally didn't see it as. Yeah. No, I thought. Big deal. Once you, once, you know, once you do something, you just think it's so simple. Anyone Mm -hmm. knows how to do this. Even though me, two years before that, my first website was just, just horribly horrible. (laughs) Oh, so bad. I wish I had pictures of it. But once I got, I figured out just simple basics. I knew this is all you have to do. You just pop this up and then you go yeah. here. Anyone could do it. Yeah. But no, she was like, no, people will pay you to do that. And people paid me to do that. Yeah. And then once I did that, they paid me to help them like create a little package. And then I started coaching and then it just segued into this, what is now her business boutique where I really focus on copy and communicating with your clients in a way that helps you get them in the door through this whole sales funnel Facebook ads process. What I'm currently doing and where I'm going, because I think it's kind of shifting again. What I've been doing the last year is one-on-one clients, helping people do, helping women who offer services online, helping them have launch plans, create group offerings, programs, anything that they want to launch online and helping them have as successful of a launch as possible meaning, you know, 10K, 20K, 30K upwards type launches, but using these tools of Facebook ads, a sales sequence, things like that. So that's the overarching technical thing that I Mm -hmm. do for my clients. I'm switching out of one-on-one coaching and going more into teaching. I want to teach as opposed to coaching Mm -hmm. and consulting. I don't even think I coach so much as consult, but I want to go more into just teaching someone else. Here's the tools. This is how you do it. You learn how to use these tools. Okay. So much more empowering. And I think I'm better as a teacher, actually. I want to have more fun with my business too, making more videos. I think a podcast is a cool idea, doing something like that. Mm -hmm. And a live event would be fun. Like a weekend weekend retreat, like an I have this product, the 48 hour funnel, mm-hmm. doing that as a live oh, weekend. Yeah, that would be, would great. be fun. So two days, cool. You do it. You do and the you work. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I want people to actually get stuff done mm-hmm. with what you were doing at her business boutique. And then in general, being an entrepreneur, what would you say would be the skills or the, that it takes to be successful? And how did you hone those skills? Um, I think the only way to hone those skills is by starting with whatever you have. Start with whatever you have, where you are, and just be willing to get going. And then the skills refine themselves as you take action. Um, what are those skills I'd that say, have helped you to be successful? Okay. Willingness to start before you're ready. You know, starting before you have all the things perfectly done. That's one. I think you do have to have a comfort of be comfortable with risk um comfortable with failure too being okay with failing not doing well at something I guess being aware of how what your, what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and like what can you actually execute and get done you know and honoring what's going on in your life and your where you are I don't have kids so I have mm-hmm. more time but I have other things where I 
going on. So just honoring where am I at in my life? What can I actually do? How much time do I have to allot to this? Being practical and reasonable. Yeah. And just people willing to face fears too of being not liked and mm-hmm. people who not, not even that people really don't, but in your own head, you're thinking someone's not going to like you or they're going to care or they're going to think you're too salesy or too self-promotional or whatever, but it's all you thinking what they're going to think. So it's mm-hmm. you thinking it. Dealing with all of that resistance, self-doubt, second guessing that comes up when you're building a business. Going through all of those things, I think that's the but the only way to do it. You have to just do it. What is an example of something that's the willingness to start before you're finished or start before you're ready? Yep, my whole entire business. That's the thing because I'm in this mastermind group and most and we're all full time in our business. And I know for me, I'll speak for myself, but I feel like we've all said this. It's like you start this business not thinking it's necessarily going to work and then it starts working and before you know it, it's being held together by tape and string and you're, you're thinking, how am I going to get this? You know, I thought it would be a legit thing and I would have everything so organized and mm-hmm. perfect schedule and things would be, no, it's so not, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's hard. It's messy. It's not some smooth flowing thing because it's, I'm all constantly starting and trying things before it's it's never going to be perfect it's never going to be ready it's like just do it and then it it evolves itself it almost takes on a life of its own so yeah i think about this like us sitting yes. here you remember it was probably like a year and a half I ago do remember. we were at the indian restaurant and i interviewed you and i was like oh i want to do this and it took me i know a year and a half i know to actually do it and show up here today and forgot the freaking cable for my microphone <laughs> So I'm still not ready, but still like I'm not going to learn how to do it and get better at it Unless until you do I it. do it. Yeah. I know. That's so. the biggest thing. And that is that is the thing I think that stops most everyone. Mm-hmm. We think of doing it, but we think we need to like do all these other things before yeah. we actually just do it instead yeah. of doing the whatever version we could do right now. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start learning. You actually learn, do I even want to do this? Do I like doing this? Yeah. Okay, here's how I would do it differently. Describe to me, like, one of the things that I like to talk about is how you do your work. Tell me about your day yesterday. What did you do? Okay, yesterday was a good day because I woke up early and I got to my office space before 9 a.m. I had a combination of fun. Like, a friend came by and prompted me to visit. Mm-hmm. So I got to hang out with a friend a little bit. But I also got some key things done but never get done everything I want to get done in a day. I just try to prioritize what I can get done. And I'm definitely not as disciplined as I could be. And I'm not as pushing myself to be a little bit more disciplined with my actions. And I know for sure I'm more productive in the morning hours than I am in the evening hours Mm -hmm. and try to put a kibosh on the end of the day so I don't just let it keep Keep, going. going. Yeah. So one of the things I like to talk about are flat sides, a skill or something that you have deliberately decided to not nurture. So are there any flat sides that you think would help you in your business that you've chosen right now not to focus on? Yeah, I think as a general networking, I'm, I am an ambivert. So I'm sort of, I'm right in the middle, but I don't feel very comfortable a lot of times with a group or trying to do the networking thing, even in Facebook groups, Facebook group networking or in-person networking. And I used to really try to force myself to do that because I thought you have to do that if you're going to have make money and be successful and it's not true and I just thought I don't have to do that there are lots of other ways I can work my business a lot of other strengths that I have that I can focus on utilizing I'm better one-on-one I'm actually better with written communication a lot of times than I am over the phone so everyone says sell on the phone 
you really have to figure out what's right for you. Selling on the phone is not good for me. I'd rather communicate back and forth because it's just easier for me. Okay, so we're getting towards the end of it. So I have like this rapid fire section and it's like a bunch of questions that I want to ask you. And just say the first thing that comes to your mind. How do you focus and produce your best work? What what is your ideal work environment? Having a deadline. If I have a deadline, I can just work wherever. It doesn't matter. So how do you impose deadlines as an entrepreneur? Public accountability. Okay. But I have, that's why I love launching. Because okay. if I say something's going to be out on this day, that's how it's going to get out on this day. Okay. Otherwise, it's not. Okay. going to get done. Because that's the, the thing with entrepreneurs. Like, you can... There's no reason you don't have a boss that tells you you have to no. finish something by now, a certain Now, you day. tell people that this podcast is going to be launched on X date. You're I haven't done that sure. yet. You're going to make sure <laughs> they get done, though. That's a great way to get something done. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, standouts. In each episode, I like to take something my guest says and provide a resource on how you can begin getting better at that skill as well. So this week, my resource is related to getting things done. As an entrepreneur, Carla has figured out that having a deadline and announcing it publicly is key to being able to focus and get things done. However, public accountability may not work for you. Gretchen Rubin, an author and podcast host, has spent years researching the topic of human behavior and habits. She has a new book that I highly recommend you read on the topic. It's called The Four Tendencies. I'm going to link to a few things in the show notes. Her book, her podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an online quiz where you can see which of the four tendencies discussed in the book you are, as well as a really good interview she did on the four tendencies on Jonathan Fields' Good Life Project podcast. Yes, I'm going a little overboard with the resources on this topic, but it's one I'm really interested in and I think it can help us better understand ourselves. Links to all these resources are in the show notes at nts.today forward slash five. When you need a boost of confidence, what do you do? Oh, it would be a, it would be music. It would be hip hop specifically. Okay. Do you just listen to it or are you oh, listen while I'm driving? Okay. Driving in my car, listening to good hip hop because they're so freaking confident. What is something that you're embarrassed to admit you like? True crime. I de- ID channel snapped. It's embarrassing how much I've watched. True crime shows Dateline, 48 Hours, 2020, 48 Hour Mystery, Snap, Wives with Knives, Evil Twins. I mean, wait, goes, what? Yes, Wives with Knives. Once you get onto the ID channel, it starts getting crazy. There are things. <laughs> evil Twins? Evil Twins is a real show. There are enough Evil Twins out in the world that they have a whole show oh on. You could only have five apps on your phones. What would you pick? Apple Music, Instagram. Oh, Marco Polo. Oh. That's definitely on my list now. Ways or some sort of maps thing and Kindle. So there's this book called Listography and so it's a way that you can journal and teach people about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it has like all these different types of lists okay. that you can create. I'm going to have you give me an odd number between 5 and 135 and I'm going to tell you Ooh. what you have to give me a list. Okay. Of. 37. This is a good one. <laughs> list your past lovers. <laughs> What constitutes a lover? Whatever you consider a lover. <laughs> a lover. 
Well, how timely is this? Because as Jelana knows, much you to have my a delight, new lover. I have a new lover, as I like to say. And my boyfriend. That's how I say it every time. I have a boyfriend. My boyfriend called me. Oh, I'm going out with my boyfriend. <laughs> I have not had a lover or definitely not had a boyfriend in a very long time. So mm-hmm. I currently have one. But you know, the other thing I will say, though, is that when I travel abroad, it's very easy to meet men in other countries. So I have had some great Do you think that is a difference in your mentality or the men? Both. I do think it's a difference. I think American men are different for sure than men in other countries. Uh, and then I also think you're different when you travel. You're just so much more open and you're more present and aware. And How are the men different? I have my own philosophies around that. I think men, I heard it somewhere that men in America have one ball and men in other countries have two balls still. Like that there's like a whole castration happening here because men are not really respected so much here anymore as much as just in a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. They don't have the balls to, I'm talking in. Oh, to pursue women in. Yes. Yes. Like the, the yin yang is not existing mm. as much here anymore okay you're you're more likely to get a, a passive type energy type guy out here mm-hmm. than there where ah. you're in spain guys gonna come up to you and talk to you and okay. make something happen here it's like eh, you're gonna have to make it happen yourself mm-hmm. so that's ugh, that's what i mean by that okay and american men are different and then i think la guys are completely different than american guys in general la is a whole other thing it's so uh a lot of people come out here to be in the industry, so mm-hmm. I think it's focused on different things. So, so we hear a lot of talk of self-care, mm-hmm. but instead of talking about self-care, I want to talk about squad care. Who are the people you turn to and why? Okay, I have lots of different squads. Mm-hmm. I have my high school friend squad. Mm-hmm. So I have friends that I've known for over 20 years. Yeah, maybe 25 years, I guess, or something crazy. And then I have friends from music school that's done a little squad. I have friends like you mm-hmm. from just the entrepreneurial world, people I've met out and about. I feel like I have all these different pockets, just all full of amazing women. So if I have a gathering, everyone can come together. Everyone can get along. It's great. It's not like I have to keep people separate. All my friends are so brilliant and bright. And yeah, I have a lot of support and a lot of amazing friendships that I can turn to. If people want to find you online, where would you suggest they go? Best place to find me is at my website, herbusinessboutique.com. And I'm on all the social media channels under that same handle, Her Business Boutique. All right. So the final question, but you could go back in time and give your younger self some career advice. What would you tell yourself? Be fearless, be bold, go stronger and be more out there than you think. Like instead of being hesitant or holding back or being careful, whatever you're planning on doing it, doing, do that times 10. Just go way bigger, go way beyond, be way more pushier because for the type of person I am, I'm never going to be too whatever because I'm so up in my head. It, I should course correct times 10 and go in a very, go even yeah, I would say just don't give a F about anyone or anything and go full force. I mean, things would be very different. I think if I lived my life like that, especially if I'd given myself that advice from a really young age, I know someone told me when I was a kid, enjoy being a kid because it goes by so fast. And I thought, okay, I will. And I really enjoyed being a kid. So I wish someone had told me that advice. I think you usually get the advice of be careful. You don't want to be too this, too that, and da, da, da. So I wish I would have had that advice. Be bold, be crazy, do whatever you want. It's so, life is so short.
And there you have it. I laugh at Carla at least once per week as I recall her dog walking adventures. Poor trouble. I will never forget that story. Here's a few other things I learned or that stood out to me during my conversation with Carla. Number one, I learned that most of us can sing as long as we have pitch. Hey, we might not sound like Beyonce, but we might sound like her distant cousin, twice removed, fake Beyonce. Number two, I learned public accountability and a deadline may be what you need to get things done, even if you aren't an entrepreneur like Carla. And number three, I also learned that the knitting factory in Hollywood was in fact not where artsy folks went to knit scarves and hats, but it was actually a music venue. Also, it permanently closed in 2009. After each episode, I like to pose a question and get listeners to share their thoughts about the topic. So this episode's listeners feedback question is related to funny failures, yes, I want to hear your Carla dog walking stories. What is your funny failure story? Record yourself sharing your story and send the audio to podcast at notthestandout.club and I'll compile a bunch of the responses into a mini episode. I cannot wait to hear your responses. The background music for this episode is from Ryan Little. All things mentioned in this episode can be found on the show notes page at nts.today forward slash five. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you shared it with your friends and also rated the podcast on your podcast listening platform. This helps other people find the show. Go to nts.today forward slash rate for instructions on how to rate the podcast.